A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where I interview incredible entrepreneurs who have achieved success by embracing their multi-passionate selves and using their neurodivergence as a tool to grow their business. I'm your host, Cheryl Woodhouse, and I'm here today with Hannah Dixon, who's going to share more about how they got started, the biggest decisions they believe led them to success, and what they want to share with other neurodiverse entrepreneurs coming up behind them. Hannah is a virtual assistant coach and recruiter and founder of one of the largest and longest running VA training platforms, Digital Nomad Kit. She's trained over 16,000 VAs who go on to work with top entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Hannah focuses on creating standards of excellence in the remote workspace with regards to ethical pay, diversity, and creating meaningful communities. This has elevated her position as the go-to person for hiring ethically and intelligently. After 13 years of continuous travel, she's a staple in the digital nomad scene and has been featured in Forbes, the James Altucher Report, iNews, Thrive Global, DNX, and numerous other media outlets and stages on travel and entrepreneurship. When she's not doing all of those incredible things somehow, you can usually find Hannah in a hammock window shopping for tech she doesn't need, probably beside me doing the exact same thing. You can learn more about Hannah at digitalnomadkit.com. So... Hi, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So you're also a tech shopper, I see. Oh, yes, absolutely. Window tech shopper. (laughs) Maybe not so much the window shopping, if you can actually (laughs) see right now. (laughs) There's a a cabinet behind me our listeners cannot see that is actually a tech cabinet. It looks to be full of art supplies, but it's actually full of cameras and other gear. (laughs) But yes, yes, I am also that person. So Let's start off by you just telling us a little bit about your business. You are, you train VAs, you've created this VA training platform, you're a digital nomad. Like, what's all the things? All the things. Um, so I started as a VA about seven years ago, um, eight years ago now, actually. Um, never worked online in my life, kind of found myself into it, got really good at it. People started asking me what I was doing, how I was doing it. So I created a course. Um, skip forward 16,000 VAs trained and I now have people, I'd say probably the, the side of my business that's growing more is people coming to me to recruit now. So um, there's a whole recruitment arm of that as well, which I'm really, really focusing on at the moment. So yeah, it's kind of it really in a, in a nutshell. Okay, very cool. Tell me a little bit more about this recruitment thing, because I think everyone listening is like, okay, yeah, online course, I can grok what that means. Mm-hmm. But the recruitment piece, how do you do VA recruitment? So what happens is uh, entrepreneurs will come to me and say, basically, they're outsourcing their outsourcing. Uh, they don't want to take the time to kind of like weed through tons of applications, uh, figure, who, figure out who might be a good fit. So they come to me. Uh, there's two options. There's a paid one or a free one. Um, a lot of people do go for the paid one, which is interesting. Um, and a lot of neurodiverse entrepreneurs are coming to me to outsource this as well. They don't want to deal with having to go through hundreds of people um, Potentially, you know, you see these people who post on Facebook, like, oh, I'm looking for a VA and hundreds of people, me, 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 me. So it kind of just eliminates that whole stressor. Um, and so what I'll then do is I'll go to my graduate community. Um, I'll, I'll have the, a conversation with the entrepreneur. Then I'll go into my community. I'll draft up a job advertisement. They apply to me and I deal with all of that. And then I select them. They kind of get that. So that's pretty much how it works. Okay. So note to self, hire Hannah. Um, I think we've all seen those threads as well in the Facebook groups and someone Mm -hmm. posts in a a specific group, you know, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. And we just know their DMs, they're just, they hurt right now. (laughs) The bombardment begins. 
Exactly. Which is why as freelancers and service providers, those are the worst possible ways to put yourself out there because you're competing against so many people that you're not even going to get seen unless you do something Absolutely. really unique. Yeah. Okay. Um, how did you get started doing that in particular? Was that just another natural progression thing or? Um, yes, I think I always had the free option. People could post a job into our graduate community. Um, but then I guess it was still the kind of that free for all situation where, you know, there was still a lot of people they had to weed through. Um, so people just started asking me and actually it came out of the need that I was spending a lot of time helping people for free finding their VAs. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. This is taking all my time. Let's make this a service. So that's kind of how it was born. Okay. So the need arises, you start fulfilling it and then realize, oh, I'm overhelping again and yes. <laughs> need to pull back and charge for it. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so out of the four ADHD entrepreneur archetypes, I already know which one you are. You are the helper. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful helpers are yep. wonderful people they always they give so much of themselves and they really are about fulfilling needs and building community mm -hmm. um so it's really wonderful to meet a helper in person thank you yeah. um let's talk about diagnosis stuff and i know you you mentioned to me you haven't really spoken about this before so this is new for you to be sharing but i'm really curious how you built something so big and so successful um and whether your neurodiversity played a role in that becoming so successful so do you have a formal diagnosis are you self-diagnosed what's the story there I have a formal diagnosis and I only got diagnosed about two years ago. So I didn't know that I had ADHD before then. I knew that I was operating a little bit differently to people around me um, my whole life. But having that diagnosis really did help me solidify kind of like understanding who I am and how I operate in my business and making sense of that was really good for me. Um, I think one of the biggest things how it impacts me in my business is just I'm quite a big risk taker. Um, I would say that's probably the neurodivergence coming through there. Um, in everything in my life, I've always been a risk taker. I'd say that probably before working online, I was doing that in very unhealthy ways. Um, then when moving into the business, uh, naturally, that just became a part of it. Getting the diagnosis actually helps me lean into that more um, in ways that are safer. Um, so that's been really good for me. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Do you have a diagnosis which to which you answered yes? And yes. has that helped you succeed in any way? Yes. I, I think that what it's helped me do is focus on the things that I do best and actually just let go of the rest. Um, because before I was really trying to do everything. Um, and one of the things that, you know, also with this recruitment with the VAs, I've always been a big advocate for like drop the things you're not very good at um, and, and focus on what you excel in and you can give other space, people space to do what they do best. My mom actually said to me when I was a kid, she said, um, I came home from a math exam and I did really bad and I was always really bad at math, uh, but I actually studied for this one and I came home and I was, I was quite disappointed. I was like, I really tried. And she said something that stuck with me. And I think that's like a big part of my career now. And she said, um, she said, you don't need to be good at math. That's what other people are for. And so I kind of always just stuck with that idea, but getting the diagnosis, I wasn't doing that myself. I was telling everyone that and I was making sure that happened for everyone, but I wasn't doing that myself. I was trying to run everything in my business. So I hired more people. I really focused on what I do best. I gave myself a lot more slack when I was, you know, not operating at my best and recognizing why that was really helpful. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Does that help? <laughs> That does help. I think it's really common for people who started their business before their diagnosis. And I know that's not everyone's path. 
Um, but for people who started their business and became somewhat successful before their diagnosis, we spend a lot of time masking and covering mm -hmm. up all of the behaviors rather than accepting the behaviors. And then for me, I know there was a moment and I'm still waiting on formal diagnosis. I'm self-diagnosed at this point. Um, but for me, there was a moment when I realized, you know, this is really likely what's going on and why you've been thinking differently. Oh, wait, all of these systems and structures and the way I built my business has actually been to suit me and this way of being and thinking all along. I just didn't mm -hmm. call it that. Did you find that as well? Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, when I got people behind the scenes of my business, <laughs> there were a lot of questions about how I'd done things that I couldn't necessarily explain. It just made perfect sense to me. Um, but then post-diagnosis, I've been able to really identify how that's, how that's come to be and be able to explain it better to people, explain how my brain works, how um, I structure things, how I think processes through and how I then relay those processes to people. Um, Cause that was kind of tricky beforehand. People were like, I, I don't know how to deal with Hannah. Um, and what's been really cool actually is the people that hire my VAs because I train VAs, they, I've trained them in a way to understand things the way I understand things. So they're really good for helping neurodiverse entrepreneurs now. And there's like a real awareness around it. Um, around sort of how we might process things. Um, so that, that's been kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that answers your question. I always forget yes. the question. <laughs> that's everyone else on this podcast. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, well, I want you to look back and do you think there were any pivotal moments or any decisions that you believe made you more successful on your journey? What were they? Yes. Um, and maybe this is going to sound a little cliche, but, well, maybe not. Um, a few years ago, I got asked to speak on a stage and I'm, I'm not a speaking on a stage kind of person. Um, and it was going to be in front of 500 people. And it was like my target audience. And I knew I had to do it. So I said yes on the spot and then spent an entire year panicking about it. That was like a whole year of like ups and downs, depression because of this this talk coming up, which is ridiculous. If it had been next week, it would have been probably a different story, but I had a whole year to think about this thing. Um, I almost backed out a few times. On the day, I nearly backed out. Um, and I did it and I got a standing ovation and it was the best thing I ever did in my whole career. And I've never been able to replicate it. I've spoken stages since, but because I showed up for that one and like I had let it consume me so much and knowing that I, knowing that I overcame that gave me so much more confidence to do so many more things since. And maybe speaking was never going to be my thing. It, it still isn't my thing. Like I tried it out for a little while afterwards, but having that one experience, knowing that I could move a crowd to stand up and clap for me like that, that I did a really good job, um, gave me so much more confidence in every area of my life, not even just business. Um, so yeah, I would say that was probably like one of the biggest pivotal moments for me. That's so cool because I, I think neurodiverse, neurotypical, you have a year to sit there and stew over your very first speaking <laughs> engagement. It You are going to have some moments about this for sure. Yes. But it's so <laughs> character building to move through those things and do them anyway. And it gives you so much confidence. I love that story. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Um, if you could share one thing with other people like you, so other neurodiverse entrepreneurs who are trying to build a business, maybe even a nomad friendly business like the one that you built, what would you say? Don't do it all yourself. Mm. You don't have to do it all yourself. 
Um, I, and I recognize that that's not always so easy at the beginning when you're bootstrapping and trying to trying to figure something out and maybe the income's not there yet. But once you are at that place, start outsourcing stuff that you can outsource that you really don't need to put in your attention on because that can like drag, not just take your brain space, but it can actually drag you down when you're doing stuff you really don't like doing. Um, I know for me that I started getting really sick of my business because I was doing things that I thought were really boring. So for me, my business became really boring, but actually it wasn't. It was just, I was doing the things that I deemed boring. So um, yeah, definitely get help and it doesn't need to be paid help. You can, you know, join communities where you can uh, connect with other people and, you know, have your questions answered and be reciprocal of that, of course, but you don't necessarily need to pay people right away. But as soon as you can, I would recommend doing that so you don't get bored of stuff. Yes, that was a bit of a revelation for me too, realizing that the things that I think are boring are not necessarily the things other people think are boring. Some people oh, cool. are accountants for fun. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> they're, they're weird, but I love them. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> okay, um, if people want to learn more about you, like you've got digitalnomadkit.com, what's mm -hmm. a resource they can pick up there and can they find it on your homepage or where? Yes, digitalnomadkit.com. I have a free beginner's guide if you want to become a virtual assistant and a free uh, five-day training that I'm actually running in May. So um, it runs every two to three months whenever this comes out. Um, but yeah, you can always join that too. And if you want to hire on that page too, everything's there. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, thank you, Hannah. This has been really insightful. And I think for those listening, it's always nice to hear stories of people who um, kind of became successful pre-diagnosis and then embraced that uh, post-diagnosis and realized, you know, this is part of what made me successful. I hope it was empowering to hear that story. And maybe you heard a little bit of yourself in Hannah today. Um, I try to upload every Thursday, but ADHD. So just watch the feed on Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you're listening from. Make sure that you go to soloschool.ca slash group to come check out the Facebook group for Q&A when you're ready to. And we will see you on the next episode.